Those who can't do teach. An Our Flag Means Death fan fiction, written by Curtain Call, read aloud by Skaya Simaru. If you enjoy this podfic, you can check out the original story on archive of our own. If you would like to hear more of my recordings or see some of my own work, you can find me through the pen and screen name of Skaya Simaru. Those who can't do teach. Summary. With no ship, no money, no boyfriend, and no real plan, Steed Bonnet turns to an occupation even more nefarious than piracy. Management Consulting. It was perhaps a testament to how completely Bonnet had managed to warp his sense of normality that Edward didn't notice the pattern until about the fourth time it happened. Because, say, six months ago, before everything, he would absolutely have responded to hearing a fellow pirate captain call, Well done, team. Let's take five and meet up below decks for notes. By asking, what the fuck exactly that was supposed to mean? Or possibly just hitting himself in the head in case some seaweed had got lodged in his ear again and he'd misheard. But after Stee, <clears throat> after Bonnet, that sort of thing had begun to seem normal enough to him that he hadn't even considered there might be anything unusual or suggestive about it. Still, though, you didn't attain the level of success he'd had. You didn't attain the length of lifespan he'd had. As a pirate, without being attuned to oddities, and when a particularly grizzled-looking first mate began giving an order to a crew member with the words, I want you to consider this as constructive feedback. Ed grabbed him by the arm and dragged him at knife point into the captain's quarters without pausing to think. If he had paused to think, of course, he might not have done it. Uh, Mr. Blackbeard, sir, is something wrong? Because the thing you said just now, the constructive feedback thingy, where'd you hear that? Oh, the mate said, his face relaxing slightly. At a workshop. At a what? A workshop. A, a sort of a school thing. You all sit round in a circle and practice offering honest yet helpful critique. Who all sit round in a circle? 
Well, anyone who signed up. Captain had our whole crew do it. I was sceptical at first, honestly, but it's made a real difference. There hasn't been half so much intra-crew stabbing as there was before. And where do you do these workshops? Oh, yeah, that was the uh, really convenient bit. It did it right on our own ship. The facilitator came aboard to run it. There was another question he wanted to ask, obviously. One that, if he were being honest with himself, he was pretty damn sure of the answer to. But he couldn't quite get it out. Uh, Mr. Blackbeard, do you think I could uh, go, maybe, or... Yeah, said Ed, releasing him and waving a hand. Go on. Oh, and... He grabbed the crewmate again, kneed him half-heartedly in the stomach, and flicked his knife to cut off the bottom of his right earlobe. You tell anyone we had this conversation, and I take the rest of your fucking ear off. Personally, he thought the threat lacked something of his usual elan, but the man certainly scurried away as though he'd been properly menaced which only went to show that intimidation was just as much of a fake-it-till-you-make-it situation as anything else you cared to name. So, Stee... Someone was out there leading fucking feedback workshops for pirate crews. It didn't matter. It Definitely didn't matter, because there wasn't any chance Ed was getting within a hundred miles of any of it. Even if he really, really wanted to know what they were like. Two months earlier. So... Steed said, surveying the crew, who had seemed rather gratifyingly delighted to see him, although Steed suspected that might have as much to do with the fact that he'd brought them a boat as it did with his own personal presence. That's about the uh, state of things, I'm afraid. Uh, To recap... Roach said, raising his hand. We have no ship, no money, and no plan. Well, the first two, definitely. The third one, uh, let's call that TBD. TBD? Is that a new disease? The Swede inquired anxiously. Does someone have it? Is it a... What? No, it means we're figuring it out, Steed said brightly. Are you going to keep paying our wages then? We John asked, seeing as you don't have any money anymore. That uh, remains to be determined, 
steed said, as heartily as he could manage, I would really like to keep paying you and to keep up the, uh, the pension plans and the paid sick leave and the monthly crew member appreciation luncheons. But we are going to need to work out a way to get the money first. Uh, hi, wild thought, Black Pete said. But maybe we could do some piracy. <laughs> Hilarious, babe, said Lucius, who'd washed up on shore about twenty minutes after Steed, covered in the algae that had coated the piece of driftwood he'd been clinging to. He half-heartedly smacked Pete on the shoulder. Not really the time. No, he has a point, Steed said, sifting a handful of sand through his fingers. I mean, we are pirates, aren't we? This was met not with the spirited ascent Steed had optimistically anticipated, but with a general murmur of doubt. Uh, we're not very good pirates, though, is the thing, Alawande said. Especially when we don't have Jim or... He trailed off tactfully. Yeah, said Pete. If Blackbeard were here, I mean, totally different situation, definitely. Oh, my God, said Lucius under his breath. Can you please learn to read the island? What? I'm just saying, if Blackbeard... It's all right, Steed said, shaking his head at Pete. I am perfectly capable of discussing id... of discussing Blackbeard with complete objectivity. The murmur of doubt grew more doubtful. No, really, Steed insisted. I mean, yes, I am still processing the uh, about face that seems to have occurred in my absence, but I'm sure that we can get it all sorted out with some, some honest communication. <laughs> I feel like he pretty honestly communicated his feelings when he literally threw me overboard. Lucius said. Not really a lot of ambiguity in that. Yes, Will, if it's any consolation, I'm fairly certain it wasn't actually about you, Steed said. <laughs> Great, thanks. Feel loads better now. It's like I didn't even almost die at all. And I'm going to have uh, very strong words with him about the matter, rest assured. Very strong. But right now, our priority has to be figuring out what our next step is. Hmm. Well, if we're not doing piracy, then what are we going to do? We John asked. I don't know. Steed said, knocking his head back against a palm tree. 
Oh, maybe I shouldn't have come back at all. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a terrible pirate. I'm a terrible captain. You deserve a better leader than me. Ugh, you're not a terrible captain, Lucius said. I mean, terrible pirate, yeah, totally. But these days, I quite like having you as captain. The Swede nodded. Mm-hmm. The lack of flogging's been nice? Yeah, I thought all of the feeling stuff was pretty dumb at first, Pete said. Uh, but you know, it was actually really helpful in dealing with my stress response when I thought Lucius was dead. Oh, babe, Lucius said delightedly. My near-death experience was emotionally traumatizing for you. That is so sweet. Uh, I liked it when you sat me down to talk about my five-year goals, Roach said. I mean, I really liked the idea that I'd be alive in five years, primarily. <clears throat> I've definitely sailed with far worse captains, Captain, Button said. You've only had one attempted mutiny. That's fairly good for a pirate, all told. I haven't heard anyone mentioning wanting to kill you in weeks. Uh, yeah, you're really quite tolerable now. Wee John said. Uh, it would just be more helpful if you were, you know, also getting better at the raiding and looting portion of the job, Olu added. You're doing much better at Captain. I'm not as sure about Pirate. <gasps> right, Steed said, jumping up and promptly whacking his head on a coconut. Fuck. Right, I've got it. Uh, got what? Pete asked. I figured out how we can earn enough money to get back on our feet. Uh, if it involves erotic drawings, I am on board. But it's extra for foot and or furry stuff, Lucius said. What? No, it's not erotic drawings. Good initiative, though, Lucius. Keep up that energy. The entrepreneurial spirit is exactly what we're going to need for this endeavor. And uh, what endeavor is that exactly? Wee John asked. Steed beamed triumphantly. Management consulting. A few weeks after they'd marooned the original crew of the Revenge, Izzy had informed Edward that they'd apparently made an even better bargain than they'd thought in their selection of crewmates. It would appear that Jim can read, Izzy said. Ed considered asking him how he'd found that out and then decided that he most likely didn't want to know the details. But he'd filed the information away for further reference, and when, about a week after he'd interrogated Mr. Constructive Feedback, a bottle bumped up against the side of the ship 
containing what looked suspiciously like an advertisement of some kind. It was to Jim that he brought it. What is it? he asked, watching them scan the paper. Just junk, C-mail? We've been attempting to contact you about your vessel's extended warranty. Buy two cutlasses, get one free, today only. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with scurvy, that kind of thing. Oh, it's an ad, all right, Jim said slowly. But it's for... well, I'd better just read it. Go on, then. Calling all pirate captains who wander Wander these storm-tossed waves in search of plunder and renown. Do you worry that your crew are dissatisfied with their employment experience? Does your vessel suffer from infighting and quarrels? Have you perhaps even heard the rumblings of mutiny? Fret no more, my friend. The gentleman pirate is here to help you find a more effective, human-centered management style. For a reasonable fee, one of our expert facilitators can board your vessel, assess key areas for improvement, and develop a simple and effective plan to root out dissent and promote unity on the decks. Not sure if our service is right for you? Join us this month in Florida for a series of workshops for captains and crew members centered around person-to-person communication and professional growth. Still not convinced? Just ask any of our dozens of satisfied customers, including... Jim trailed off. What? Uh... Including the one and only Blackbeard. He used my name, Edward said, more to himself than to Jim. He used my fucking name, just capitalizing on my fucking reputation. He'd still been holding the bottle that the flyer had come in, and he smashed it onto the floor. It was less satisfying than he'd hoped. He looked at Jim, daring them to say something, but they remained wisely silent. Right, fuck this, he said, turning to head out of the room. Get that cleaned up he added, gesturing vaguely at the broken glass. Jim nodded. And, uh, Ed said roughly, half against his will. You said it's this month in Florida? Well, I think we've got a pretty decent turnout so far, don't you, Lucius? Steed asked, surveying the line of people in front of them, waiting to check in. I'm afraid it doesn't appear most of them followed the suggested dress code of beachside semi-formal, however. Perhaps I didn't make it clear enough on the flyer. I told you we ought to have included inspiration pictures. 
Uh, yeah. See, I think the issue is less people not understanding your dress code and more them not exactly having anything that actually fitted. Steed sighed. Oh, I suppose you're right. Goodness knows my wardrobe isn't what it was. He shook out a lacy cuff. Uh, excuse me, Captain. Black Pete came up behind them. Uh, yes? I think there's something you should maybe see over there. Oh, my God, said Lucius, and tried to cower behind Pete with predictably limited success. Blackbeard's here. What? Steed asked sharply, whipping his head round to look where Pete was indicating. No, that can't be him. He doesn't... Uh... Told you he'd kind of changed up his look, Pete said. Is his fashion really the thing we're most upset with him for at the moment? Lucius demanded, apparently giving up on the cower. Don't be ridiculous. Of course it isn't, Steed said. And straighten up. Oh, you sound like my father. Because it's not like he can exactly toss you overboard here. Yeah, no, he can just try and kill me in some other more permanent way. I'm right here, Steed said. I'll look after you. Oh, great, thanks. Now I feel loads better. Right, Steed said. You two keep checking people in. I'm going over there. He straightened the front of his coat and inhaled sharply. If he asks after me, I'm very much still dead, Lucius called after him. Steed was relieved to notice that the new arrival appeared to have come alone, no Izzy lurking behind him, ready to propose another duel, a conflict resolution method distinctly not featured in any of Steed's sessions. Hello! He began, realized he had no idea what on earth to call him, vacillated wildly between Ed and Blackbeard for a few moments, and landed on... Uh, Mr. Teach? Ed. Oh, all right, there was nothing for it. He was always going to be Ed to Steed, regardless of what he'd done since they'd seen each other last, grimaced. Yeah, no. Right, sorry. Uh, hello, Steed said. I uh, didn't expect to see you here. Well, said Ed, in a tone Steed neither recognized nor liked. You used my name on your flyer. You used my reputation to sell your, your, whatever this is. He waved an arm to encompass the activity around them. A special training series on management best practices, Steed said automatically. And, uh, yes, I guess I did.
So, I'm telling you to take it off. It's a bit late for that, I'm afraid, Steed said. The flyers have all gone out already. Message in a bottle marketing campaign's been a real hit, actually. I wasn't quite sure whether it'd make an impression on the audience, but it seems to have done pretty well. And, uh, well, I don't really think I was being dishonest by saying you learned a few things from me. I mean, I thought our gentleman lessons were relatively successful. You called me a satisfied customer. Yes, Will, that might not have been the best choice of words. There was a beat. Steed felt entirely unmoored from reality, his body and mouth operating on their own power, zero input from his mind. He'd imagined seeing Ed again a hundred, a thousand times, had created an entire branching tree of scenarios in his mind that ran from salacious to saturine to tragic, and sometimes all three. None of those imaginings had remotely resembled the current circumstances, he was standing here talking to the man who had been his hero, his friend, the only person he'd ever loved, and they were arguing about what amounted to product endorsement. Well, maybe this was how all, post agreeing to run away together, having a crisis of conscience, and renegading, then experiencing an epiphany as to the nature of one's feelings, and returning only to learn that the other person had gone completely nuts in your absence, reunions, went. It wasn't as though Steed had much prior experience to draw upon. So, uh, you just came here to complain about the flyer thing, then? He asked carefully. Ed shrugged. Yeah, well, I have a reputation to maintain. I can't go around just letting anyone use my name. You're the one who's always going on about personal branding. Well, I'm just, uh, enforcing my trademark. That's the only reason? Uh, yes. To be clear, the thing you are currently most upset with me about is the fact that I infringed upon the Blackbeard trademark in my advertising campaign. That's the only thing you want to talk to me about? Yeah. That's all. Unless there's something else you wanted to talk about, obviously, Ed said, in a voice that was trying very hard to be casual and failing completely. No, Steed said, because fine, he could play that game too. And if Ed thought that Steed was going to be the one to crack first, he obviously hadn't gotten as much out of those society lessons as he'd thought. 
So, will you be, uh, leaving now? Or were you going to stay for the workshop? Oh, don't know. Hadn't thought about it, Ed said unconvincingly. Well, I expect you're very busy, Steed said. Probably have a really packed looting schedule, I imagine. No time to spare for this nonsense. Your stuff's not nonsense, man. Don't say that. Uh, Ed said, apparently without meaning to, because he proceeded to become very preoccupied with scratching an X into the sand with his boot. Oh, Steed said, and very nearly folded right then and there because it felt like he'd been waiting his entire life for someone to say that to him. And the fact that the person saying it was a currently unreformed murderer with less than ideal mental stability apparently didn't matter the slightest bit, at least not as far as his heart was concerned. <clears throat> I could stay, actually. Might stay. Don't really have anything on the, uh, the looting skidge for the next few days. Sort of on a break. But I think you should probably give me free registration as compensation for the use of my name on your ad. That seems fair, Steed said. So, uh, welcome to the workshop. He'd backslid. He'd fucking backslid fucking immediately. The second Steed... <clears throat> Bonnet... Ugh, oh, fuck it. The second Steed had come over with his stupid face and his stupid curl and all the stupid little buttons on his stupid coat that he absolutely hadn't imagined undoing one by one. Feeling whatever impossibly delicate fabric it was this time. Right then, his whole plan had flown out the window. Not that there were any windows on this beach. He'd not told anyone where he was going, obviously. Had snuck away in the night. Izzy was going to be pissed, but that was a plank to walk when you got to it, or whatever the fuck. And he'd had a whole plan, or at least the vague outline of one, for when he got there. He was going to be very cool and extremely intimidating and just a little bit unhinged. Was going to have everyone quaking in their literal boots at the sight of him. He was going to be Blackbeard, the face he'd shown to the world for all the years before he'd met Steed, and the face he'd shown the last few months since losing him. And he was going to show Steed and everyone exactly what happened when you messed with Blackbeard. It involved yelling very loudly and some really choice maiming. 
And then he'd seen him, and the whole fucking thing had fallen apart. Because apparently, the soft part at the center of him that he thought he'd thrown overboard, along with the boy, hadn't had the decency to drown. And neither had the boy, evidently, because there he was, holding his notebook up at an angle that was presumably intended to prevent him from seeing his face. The walls that he'd spent years building, that had taken only weeks to come down, that he'd then had to rebuild taller than ever, probably with some sort of itch-inducing vine weaving its way through the stonework to further discourage metaphorical heart wall climbers. Well, whoever he'd hired to do the rebuilding had apparently taken him for a fucking ride because those walls had crumbled right the fuck down again. And before he knew what had happened, he was standing in the sand, looking at a piece of paper and listening to Steed explain the planned schedule of events for this week. So here we have preventing burnout, literal and figurative, torture alternatives for the human hostage taker, protecting your seamen, safe sex aboard the ship, literacy, pros and cons, oh, that's P-R-O-S-E. <laughs> you see, it's only funny if you read it, which, um, well, anyway, then we have diversity and inclusion, you and the crew. Ed blinked. Uh, I'm not leading that one, Steed said quickly. Yeah, seems wise. Uh, but then there's letting your freak flag fly, expressing yourself through fabric crafts, uh, which reminds me, uh, Frenchie and Jim are all right, I mean, aren't they? They don't happen to have been beached overboard or marooned on a convenient island. <laughs> it cost Steed something to ask this. Ed could tell. He could hear the forced breeziness of his tone, see the slight, desperate edge of his smile. <laughs> They're both fine, and from what I can see, it doesn't appear that either of those other things exactly stuck, so... So you don't have anything to be angry at me about. Hmm. <laughs> said Steed, evidently choosing to let the matter lie there for the present. Well, anyway, that's the lay of the land, so to speak, for the rest of the week. Sessions start tomorrow, nine sharp. He made as though to hand the schedule over to Ed, but stopped, probably figuring rightly, that it wasn't as though it would be of much use to him. Until then, you're free. I mean, you were free before, but, uh, well, anyway, you can just head back to the ship for the night. Except, um, where is the ship? His voice cracked slightly. Ed shrugged. 
around? Um, no one knows you're here, do they? So what if they don't? Whatever. I don't answer to them. They answer to me. I can go wherever I want. Ed said, feeling and no doubt sounding like a surly teenager who'd been caught sneaking out to visit the boyfriend his parents disapproved of. Which, yeah, all right, was basically accurate. Steed clucked his tongue, which was both endearingly irritating and irritatingly endearing. I don't know why you continue to surround yourself with people that you can't even be honest with, but I suppose that's your own affair. Yeah, it is. But if you don't have anywhere to sleep, who said that? Well, I guess I just assumed without the ship, I can sleep on the beach. Not like I'm worried anyone's going to fuck with me. No, of course not. I just meant that I'm sure we can find you something indoors, if you want. Nice high thread count sheets, a goose feather mattress, soap. Ed shook his head. <laughs> Beach will be fine. Steed looked confused, and Ed could hardly blame him. Of course he'd rather be indoors. Of course he'd rather have soft sheets and sweet-smelling soap. But it was clear to him now that such fine things were only one side of the coin. You couldn't, it seemed, have silk and lavender without snide-coated remarks and passive aggression. Without lies, people saying one thing and turning out not to mean it at all. Suit yourself, Steed said. Well, I'll see you tomorrow then. Oh, if you don't mind my asking, uh, who are you? What? I mean, for the name tag. I had them pre-printed with a little, Ahoy, my name is... And then Lucius is going to fill in the names in calligraphy. But uh, what would you like me to put on yours? Oh, um, I don't know. Guess I hadn't really thought about it. If you'd, um, like my opinion... Steed began hesitantly. Ed made a go-on gesture. Given that you're here, uh, sign Baba, as it were. Come on, man, you know I don't know what the fuck that means. That you don't have your beard. Well, I suppose there's a sort of a stubble situation. Steed waved his hand vaguely in the direction of Ed's face. Ed got the distinct impression that Steed was very deliberately avoiding looking at his mouth. What I mean to say is, Steed finished, it's entirely your choice, of course, but I think you might have a better experience at the workshop if you attended incognito. Just go by Ed, I mean, not Blackbeard.
Ed shrugged. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So then, you might also want to get rid of the, um, whatever it is that you have on your face. Grease paint? Coal? Shoe polish. Found it in your closet. Oh, will that even come off? <laughs> Guess I'll find out. Steed frowned doubtfully, but didn't seem inclined to argue the point. Which seemed to be happening a lot today, Ed realized. Not that Steed had ever been a particularly combative conversationalist, and he'd always been an accommodating host. But Ed felt as though he were swinging his own sword out in anticipation of a parry that consistently failed to arrive, leaving the blade to swish uselessly through the air. Come on, he half wanted to say. Aren't you mad at me? Yell at me about it then. Slap me across the face and actually accuse me of what I did to your crew instead of just mentioning it and passing like a razor blade in a candy bar. Hi, welcome to my workshop. No hard feelings about the attempted murder and wanton property destruction. What would you like on your name tag? And he himself was just going along with it, apparently. Despite all the very real anger, he still felt every time he looked at Steed, like a blister rubbing the foot more raw with each step. Nine o'clock tomorrow, Steed was saying. Don't be late. Ed grinned at him, allowing some of that pent-up anger to escape. As he said, <laughs> don't worry, I always turn up when I'm supposed to. That hit home. Steed flinched backwards and walked away without any further pleasantries, which left Ed alone, the winding line of workshop participants starting to taper off as they each checked in. Still, though, it was too many people, and having decided he was going to be just Ed for the duration of the program, he was starting to feel pretty fucking extra standing here with his Kraken makeup on. He wandered down towards the shore and indulged in a bit of pacing trying to work through the morass of conflicting emotions swirling inside him. He could feel his resentment returning to take the upper hand. It was very easy to be angry at Steed when he wasn't actually looking at Steed. Easy to be rational, to remember all the very good reasons why he oughtn't to forgive him. Not that Steed had asked for forgiveness, of course. Not that Steed had apologized. Not that Steed had even acknowledged that Ed might be angry with him. He was properly upset now, the pacing having worked him up rather than calmed him down. And he looked around for something to hit.
something to provide even a little momentary catharsis. There was a large rock a few feet away, and Ed eyed it. Maybe a good punch. Why would you want to punch a rock? Asked a voice in his head that sounded suspiciously like Steed. That won't be satisfying. You'll only get your knuckles all bloody, and the rock won't care. Shut up! Ed told the voice, and great, now he was talking aloud to himself. Anyway, he was wearing gloves. No bloody knuckles. Take that, inner steed voice. He punched the rock. It didn't help. <laughs> what a surprise! Surely you could have seen that coming. I'm plenty mad at you about the things you actually did. Ed said, "I really don't need to make up more in my head." He glanced reflexively across the beach to where the real Steed was still greeting new arrivals, apparently unbothered by his presence. The man had no fucking sense of self-preservation, or maybe just no fucking sense. Period, because anyone with more than two brain cells to rub together would have known to run away. Do not pass go at the sight of a pissed-off Blackbeard. But that was Steed all over, wasn't it? That was one of the things that had made Ed notice him in the first place, because it was a bit of a novelty by now. Not being scary, he'd felt like a monster lurking under the bed, a predator in the tall grass whose prey had turned around and shook his hand and been absolutely delighted to meet him. Well, he could lurk some more then if he needed to. Let the desire for revenge simmer over a low fire, a dish. Best served thickened after twenty minutes of stirring occasionally. There wasn't any need to rush anything. Ed sighed and tore his gaze away from Steed, and trudged off to find something to clean his face with. Everything was going swimmingly, well, for a given value of swimmingly, Steed supposed, but definitely a value of swimmingly. Things were indubitably on the swimmingly scale. It was three hours into the workshop, and there'd only been one sword fight and two punches thrown, which was well below the odds that the crew had calculated. They'd been making bets on it. Steed had objected to this on the grounds that anyone who bet on more violence would then have a financial incentive to incite trouble, and had received only scathing silence in response. He chose, against all evidence to the contrary, to interpret this as righteous outrage that he could even imagine such a thing. 
The attendees were now eating lunch, which doubled as an opportunity for Roach to host the session he'd pitched on The Quickest Way to the Heart. It mostly consisted of Roach giving enthusiastic but somewhat vague directions for how to cook various specialties, along with deeply disturbing asides about alternative uses for knives. One grizzled-looking fellow raised a hand. Uh, that pigeon pot pie you mentioned, uh, do you have any tips on making it gluten-free? Excellent question. No. What's in this muffin? We John asked. Because it is absolutely delicious. Roach beamed. Oh, that's the cardamom. I was on this crew a few years ago when we plundered a Portuguese merchant vessel. They were headed back from India, so spice jackpot. Steed gave Roach a thumbs up and mouthed, You're doing great, before continuing his tour of the various lunch tables. He'd asked the revenge crew to spread themselves out and intermingle with the other attendees, and had provided them each with an assigned icebreaker topic to nip any conversational lulls in the bud. As Steed made the rounds, he could hear Black Pete leading a spirited debate on whether it was better for a leader to be feared or to be loved, and Olu patiently listening to a red-headed cabin boy describe what kind of tree he would be if he could be a tree. An apple tree, evidently. He'd put Ed at Buttons's table, on the grounds that he was probably the least likely to hold a grudge about the whole left-for-dead thing. And if Steed swung by that table a time or two more than any other, well, it wasn't impossible that there was a grudge, that was all. It couldn't hurt to observe. From what he could tell, however, Ed seemed to be getting along famously with the rest of the attendees. Steed could hear him regaling the table with a, a presumably anonymized, tale about a raid gone wrong that he'd managed to salvage at the last minute. Steed had forgotten how good of a storyteller Ed was, and he found himself lingering within earshot, half concealed by a conveniently angled palm tree. Ed had managed to get most of the shoe polish off his face, it appeared. Although Steed suspected that if he were to look closely, he'd still be able to spot a few remnants. Not that he was very likely to get to look closely. As much as he wanted, needed to have things out with Ed. Once one of them finally caved and admitted there were any things to have out. He also very much needed this workshop to go well, and he couldn't afford to be distracted by personal considerations. Positive word of mouth was an absolute must at this stage, and it was, therefore, 
crucial that the attendees come away with good things to say about their experience. So he reluctantly wrenched his attention back to Roach, who was flambéing a banana. This proved to be a predictable hit with the audience. Ha <laughs> now that's what I'm talking about! yelled a one-eyed fellow approvingly. Set that shit on fire! Thank you, thank you, Roach said, acknowledging the applause. If you look closely, you can see the caramelization around the edges. Uh, attention, everyone, please, we John bellowed. It is now time for today's final breakout session. You can find what you've registered for by consulting the schedule you received at check-in. Or for those who can't read, the colour of your souvenir lanyard. Blue lanyards are going with the Swede for hitting the high notes. Green lanyards with Mr. Buttons for avian linguistics. And pink lanyards with Captain Bonnet for conflict resolution. Uh, what if we're colorblind? A voice piped up in the back. Ed, who was not colorblind, consulted his own lanyard, pink. He briefly considered making a run for it, but eh, what the hell? He had enough conflicts with Captain Bonnet that he was damn ready to resolve. He followed his fellow pink lanyards to a large room filled with small tables, each with two chairs. Steed was standing at the front of the room, Lucius hovering behind him, holding a sheaf of papers in his hands. Just for fun, Ed grinned at the boy, baring his teeth and slightly widening his eyes. Lucius visibly recoiled, but only for a moment. He shook himself slightly, put his hands on his hips, and cocked his head in a silent, Come at me, bro, gesture. Welcome, everyone, Steed said, clapping his hands together. Please go right ahead and take a seat anywhere. We'll get started in just a moment. Ed glanced around the tables attempting to game out where the best place to sit would be. Not too near the front, obviously. He didn't want either to draw attention to himself or to seem too eager to hear what Steed had to say. But also not in the very back, because he also didn't want to seem like he was actively trying to seem disengaged. And great, now he was overthinking seat selection, for fuck's sake. As though he didn't know by now to trust his instincts, he headed for the nearest seat, only to be beaten to it by some scrawny, balding character. His hand immediately went to his knife, because he had very clearly been going for that seat. What kind of total disregard for manners did this guy have? If he'd known who he was dealing with, he'd never have dared. Ed stopped himself, hand hovering just above the knife hilt. No, 
he didn't have to prove anything to anyone. Even if no one here knew who he was, knew what he could do, he knew. And that was enough. It was a different sort of power than he was used to, but it was... Well, it was new anyhow, and he could use a little novelty. So he just smiled, a slightly toned-down version of the smile he'd given Lucius, and turned away, looking for another place to sit. He didn't find one. Every spot at every table was taken. Oh, sorry. Lucius said, not sounding very sorry. Looks like facilities didn't get the message that we'd increased the headcount at the last minute. Yeah, totally fine. No problem, Ed said breezily. He walked to a side wall and leaned against it, crossing his arms and nodding at Lucius. Or maybe this place has a very strict no-seats-for-murderers policy, Lucius added, raising his voice a bit over the quiet rumble of small talk. Could be that. Attempted murderer, Ed corrected him. And I think that probably disqualifies at least half the people here, so... <laughs> Lucius opened his mouth. But whatever retort he'd had in mind was cut off by Steed jumping in quickly with, Everyone all settled then? Great! So, what we're going to do first is a little bit of role-playing. You're all going to work with the other person at your table. Lucius is going to come around and hand out different conflict scenarios. And what I want you to do is each take one part in the scenario and talk through it together. What you're trying to do is reach a compromise that's satisfactory to both of you. A few things to keep in mind, I'd say, are don't be afraid to think outside the box. And remember to use I statements when talking about your feelings. Oh, and Lucius will also be available to read the scenarios to anyone who needs or prefers that. Any questions? The guy in Ed's chair raised his hand. Yeah, what are eye statements? Is it like, I'll cut your fucking eye out if you cross me again? Oh dear, no, eye statements. Um, it's about expressing your own feelings instead of trying to assume what the other person is feeling or doing. So instead of saying, you don't care about all the effort I put in swabbing the dick, you try saying, uh, when you don't Thank me for swabbing the dick. It makes me feel unappreciated. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, like, I feel like I'm going to cut your fucking eye out if you cross me again. That's definitely closer, Steed said brightly. Why don't we give it a go with the scenarios? Lucius? Lucius nodded and began walking from table to table passing out papers. Steed nodded and glanced around the room, eyes lighting on Ed. He frowned.
ground and, after a moment of evident hesitation, crossed the room to speak to him. Uh, is something the matter? Why aren't you sitting down? Head gestured. <laughs> Where exactly were you thinking I'd sit? Steed scanned the room. <gasps> ah, I see. Well, hmm, this exercise doesn't really work if you don't have a partner, but I can probably get someone to find you a chair, and then I think we can modify one of the scenarios to be a threesome. Oh, you can hold off on the menage a Troy, Lucius said, coming up from behind. I've got one more right here. He handed his final piece of paper to Ed. Yes, but he can't do it alone, Steed pointed out. Of course not, Lucius said. But you can do it with him, can't you? I... Uh, Steed stammered. No, I mean, I have to observe everyone. Don't you worry about that. Lucius said. I'll take really good notes. Uh, but bye now, Lucius said, and darted away. Steed sighed heavily. Oh, hand it over then. Sorry? The scenario, come on. He held out his hand. <laughs> Are we really doing this? Ed asked. You know you're his boss, right? Not the other way around. And part of being a good boss is listening to your employees' suggestions, Steed said. I've been trying to do more of that lately. I actually set up a box, uh, but that's not important right now. He paused. Come on then, let's have a look. Ed gave him the paper. <laughs> Okay, fine. Let's just get it over with. That's the spirit, Steed said, with no evident irony. Now, let's see. What do we have here? Right, first off, um, we've got to pick one person to be person A and one person to be person B. He paused expectantly. <laughs> Whichever. I don't care. Uh, B. Great. Okay, here's the scenario. Person A, you are the captain of a pirate vessel. He paused. Oh, that's nice. Um, person B, you are also a captain of a different vessel. Unfortunately, you've both been captured by the British Navy and forced to agree to serve the King for ten years in exchange for your lives. You decide this is unacceptable and agree to run away together. However, Person A has a change of heart and does not show up to the rendezvous. In response, Person B returns to the vessel, attempts to kill Person A's most outstandingly vivacious and multi-talented crew member, goes so far goth that he's practically sacking Rome and abandons the rest of the crew on a nearby island. How do you reconcile? Huh, Ed said after a moment. 
That's, uh, very specific. I suppose Lucius thinks he's clever slipping this in here. I mean, it's all very well to have a laugh, but it's not like we're actually going to do it, so why not? Sorry? I mean, you're the one who wants to listen to your employees' suggestions. Seems to me like this is a pretty clear suggestion from an employee. <laughs> you want us to have this conversation? Steed brandished the piece of paper. Here? Now? Seriously? Yeah, actually, I do. Something in Steed's face shifted. All right, he said, voice softer than before. Uh, typically, I would say that we, I mean, we as in the people in this fictional roleplay scenario, should start by sharing how the other person's actions made us feel. All right. Would, uh... Would you like to go first? <laughs> You're person A. I sort of think you have to go first. All right. Uh, I, person A, felt confused. It wasn't that I didn't want to go with you, with person B. It's that I wasn't certain it was the right thing to do. And when I worked out what was the right thing to do, and sorted everything out, and came back, person B wasn't there. And not only that, but apparently he wasn't even the person B that I remembered, because he'd taken my ship and abandoned my crew. So I feel worried, and guilty, and a little betrayed. Steed exhaled. <sighs> Right, your turn. Well, first off, person B is a pirate, so I don't think person A gets to be surprised that he, you know, pirated the ship. Sort of the job description. But anyway, I statements. I, person B, also felt confused and betrayed. Because I thought person A and I had agreed on something. And then he ghosted me. And so, yeah, I did a little environmental cleansing. Uh, environmental cleansing? Well, I'd think you of all people would understand that it's actually very emotionally cathartic to purge your space of things that no longer bring you joy. My crew, Ed! You purged my space of my crew! And your books, and your clothes, and most of your collection of personal care products. <gasps> Even the curl cream? The curl cream, for God's sake, in this kind of humidity! Well, no. I mean, it is pretty damn good at preventing freeze. Isn't it? You know, I was thinking about releasing a branded tie-in line of hair products. You know? Hair care by the gentleman pirate. We could put a little picture of me on the bottle, and it might be really great advertising for the consulting business. Yeah, that could definitely work. You could do, like, a moose. Exactly! 
Oh, okay. You're probably not going to like this, but if you're trying to market to pirates, I do think a two-in-one combination shampoo and conditioner could be a real hit. Absolutely not, Steed said firmly. I mean, I do have integrity. <laughs> yeah, you definitely never say you're going to do something and then don't follow through. I think you mean person A. Sorry, yeah, person A definitely never says he's going to do something and then doesn't follow through. Well, maybe person A needed some more time to work out what he wanted. Maybe it wasn't fair of person B to dump all these emotions on him and then ask him to run off together without giving person A the time to work through how he actually felt. Uh, I seem to remember running off together was person A's idea in the first place. No, it wasn't, Steed said with evident outrage. Escaping! His idea was escaping! That's what I said. No, no, I was talking about getting out, getting back to where we were before. But then person B... Oh, fuck it! But then you, with your shaved face and your talk about China! I thought that was what you wanted. I thought that was what you fucking wanted. And I still don't understand what you think the difference is between escaping and running. The difference is that I only know how to run away from things, Steed said, voice cracking. And the way you were talking, like there was this future you were after. You changed your whole attitude because of me, and I couldn't handle it. But you could have just told me, Ed said, voice sounding small in his own ears. Instead of just leaving me with no idea what had happened to you, with no idea whether you were even alive. Sorry, all right? I'm sorry. I was scared and I was stressed and I just fucking killed a guy. For God's sake, I wasn't thinking clearly. So I panicked and guess what? Yeah, I ran away. Again. And then I sorted myself out and I finally managed to head towards something instead of away from it. And then I got there and it wasn't anymore. And I mean that extremely literally. He was properly yelling now, and when he'd finished, Ed noticed uncomfortably that the room had gone completely silent. The buzz of other roleplay conversations no longer filling the background. A delicate cough came from just behind them. Ahem. And Ed turned to see Lucius sidling up to Steed. Do you maybe want to, um, have the rest of this conversation in private? He asked. Steed blinked. Uh, yes, right. He glanced around the room. Well, don't just stand there, all of you. Get back to it. Carry on. Come on he added to Ed in a lower voice. Lucius is right. 
Yeah, thanks. Funny thing, I actually always am. Please remember that when you're doing my performance review this year, okay? Bye! I haven't forgotten that you didn't turn in your professional development goals for this year yet, you know? Steed called after him. Here, he said, leading Ed out of the room. There's an office just this way. He opened a door. I can't say it's what I'm accustomed to, but we've been making it work. Ed glanced around the room as Steed shut the door behind them. It certainly lacked the flair of his quarters on the revenge, but there were a few signs of character present. A crystal paperweight on the desk, a faint scent of eau de cologne, a framed picture with what Ed was instantly certain was a motivational quote written below it. So, Steed said, turning to him, uh, where were we? I'm afraid I got a little heated back there. But, um, oh, yes, running away. Yeah, Ed said. The fuck are you talking about, man? I'm sorry? You do so run towards things. I mean, the running in general. Yeah, that seems to be a pattern. But I've been on that ship, and it's stupidly obvious that it was built with love. That's not something you did just to get away from your family, or whatever you're trying to say. You had something you wanted, and you went towards it. Steed blinked. Uh, I never really thought about it that way, he said. But, well, no, because a ship's not a person. A ship can't leave. Ed made a face. I mean, that's sort of what ships are for. One of their more notable traits being mobile. And, Steed continued, seemingly ignoring this, very strong in Ed's opinion. Point. Did I ever really want that? I mean, yes, I did. Did, but but as, as a fantasy of not being stuck in my regular life anymore. A dream, not something real. It was real to me, Ed said quietly. When we were together, you told me you knew what it felt like to be stuck whiting out your life, marking time till death. But that's the whole thing I was trying to say, back on the beach, is that the time I spent with you was the first time I can remember that I woke up most mornings, excited to find out what was going to happen that day. And I thought you... I thought you felt that way too. Steed blinked rapidly. I... I did... I do. I... Ed kissed him. He felt Steed freeze against him for a split second before melting into the kiss, his mouth opening against Ed's. It was the furthest thing imaginable from the way they'd kissed on the beach months ago. This was frantic, 
and sloppy and edged with frustration and anger. And Steed was trying something inexpert with his tongue. And Ed realized two things. Item one, that Steed was almost definitely going to be very, very bad at sex. And item two, that item one didn't mean Ed wanted him any less. So he slid a hand along Steed's waist, feeling the silky fabric of his jacket, and tried to pull him in closer. Steed stepped back. Wait, he said, breathing heavily. Wait, we, the workshop, we should, uh, I mean, we still haven't sorted anything out. You still marooned my crew. You, I don't even want to know what you've been up to with Jim and Frenchie. You tried to kill Lucius. We need to finish this conversation. Oh, Ed said, alternate plan. We could suck each other's dicks. Oh, Steed blinked. Yeah, that sounds better. Better plan. <laughs> Thought so, yeah, Ed said. And then they were kissing again. And, well, he'd known that when Steed cut loose, he really cut loose. And the level of enthusiasm with which he was presently manhandling Ed more than made up for any resultant clumsiness. Uh, this jacket, Steed said after a moment. It's not really meant for this level of uh, exertion. Let me just... Uh... Ed let him go reluctantly, and Steed took the jacket off with such agonizing slowness that Ed would have suspected him of trying the world's worst value, striptease, if Steed hadn't been quite so focused on the jacket itself. Now, let me just uh, hang this up somewhere, he began, and Ed groaned. Oh. I, I will, Steed said acerbically. This happens to be the only jacket I have now, so I do actually want to keep it from getting wrinkled. What are you talking about? Steed sighed. I knew you threw out all my clues. I thought you very much didn't want to relitigate this, but Ed shook his head. Not all of them. No? Uh, I didn't bother with the auxiliary closet, Ed admitted. Steed looked from him to the jacket in his hands. Well, in that case, fuck this, he said, and threw it to the ground. Ed laughed, delighted, and reached for him again. Hmm said Steed against his mouth after a few more minutes. I want here, he said, resting his hips on the edge of the desk and pulling Ed in against him. Oh, I like the way you think, 
Ed said, cradling Steed's head with one hand, feeling the curls that, damp with sweat, had adhered to the back of his neck. He tried to use his other hand to grab at Steed's breeches, but he wasn't looking at what he was doing, because like hell was he moving his face away from Steed's, and misjudged the distance and knocked something over instead. Uh, shit, Steed said. What? Ed asked, stepping very slightly back. Steed twisted to show him the dark, growing stain on the side of his shirt. I, I think you may have hit the inkwell. <laughs> Take it off then, silver lining man. Ed said, trying to help with the hem and ripping it by accident. Oh, whoops. Oh, Steed said, not sounding anywhere near as upset about this as he ought to have. Tear it off. That's sexy, right? That's fun? Ed tilted his head. Mm, I'm probably more sexy when you don't ask. That's sexy, right? Oh, but uh, still, still somewhat sexy? Oh, yeah. Right, Steed said, holding his arms out like a fashion-forward crucifix. Have at me. Ed grabbed the front of the shirt and tugged as hard as he could. The shirt, unfortunately, remained in one piece. Oh, come on, put a little elbow grease into it, Steed said. Ed yanked at it again. <laughs> I'm not weak, you know, he said irritably. It's the shirt, it's not me. Oh, I know, Steed said reassuringly, running one of his hands along Ed's bicep for presumable strength verification. This shirt is really high to near, very practical, rugged. I'll make a note that we should try again with something more flimsy. <laughs> of course you're taking notes on this, Ed muttered. Although, he said more loudly, if you think this is an area where I accept constructive criticism... Well, no, I was thinking more along the lines of cooperative play-by-play -play after the fact. Ed shook his head. <laughs> Just take your shirt off. Oh, good note, Steed said, and lifted up his arms. While he was wriggling out of the shirt, Ed looked at the desk. Uh, how much of this shit do you care about? Steed frowned thoughtfully. Um, none, he said. Fantastic, Ed said, and swept it all onto the floor. Now, way ahead of you, Steed said, clambering up onto the desk. Ed hopping after him and wincing a bit as his joints creaked, wondering for a second if his desk-fucking days were behind him. But then Steed finally managed to insinuate his fingers into Ed's waistband. <laughs>
and Ed decided he very definitely was not too old for any of this. Oh, you smell so fucking good, Ed said, burying his face in Steed's neck. Like soap. <laughs> That'd be the bathing. <laughs> I thought that the day I met you, you know. I thought, well, this guy is absolutely insane, but fuck me if he doesn't smell better than anyone I've ever met. I've actually always liked the way you smell, Steed said, his words muffled by the fact that his mouth was slightly squashed against the top of Ed's head. Ed pulled back to look at him. I'm wearing all leather in Florida. Exactly. That's the charm. It's so authentic, Steed said, flushing a little, and pulled Ed back towards him, darting his tongue out to actually lick the sweat pooling in the hollow of Ed's throat. Very piratey. He began working his way up Ed's neck, leaving sloppy kisses as he went. <laughs> Definitely insane, Ed managed to croak out, just before Steed reached his mouth. Steed giggled. <laughs> what? Ed asked suspiciously. Well, I was just thinking. Maybe I don't have to take satisfied customer off the flyer after all. Ed rolled over to face him. <laughs> Actually, if you wanted, you could probably make it twice satisfied. If you're, you know. Now that. Steed said, leaning in, is positive reinforcement. The End Thank you for reading. Uh, please drop by the archive and let the author know what you thought of their work.